you know, food is life. And I think, you know, in the last two years, we've all gone through a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, but, you know, it all comes back to sharing that moment. You know, I love watching people bite into it and their eyes roll into the back of their head. That's, that's what gives me a buzz. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. There are a few things we love better than a sandwich, whether it's a classic sausage sanger, banh mi, or a lamb kebab. Italy's influence in Australia is renowned, and they too have many classic sandwiches, none more influential than a simple panini. Dom Ruggeri is the owner of Dom Panino. Dom, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Good. It's good to have you on the on the show. I'm a very big fan of sandwiches, especially paninis. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Well, thanks for having me on. It's an absolute honor to be on your show. Um, what we're doing at Don Pino, uh, just simply uh, great, honest Italian sandwiches. Um, I think we're not overcomplicating things, but we're um, sticking to, you know, fresh, amazing ingredients in beautiful Italian bread, um, simply put. Well, we see this sort of thing in different cafes, but one dedicated to it. Is it something that um, you've seen before in Australia? Um, I can't say I have. Um, well, not in Sydney anyway. I've been to Melbourne a couple of times and you've, you've definitely got some pino takers down there. I think, you know, like everything, they're sort of the pioneers um, in the in the food scene. But um, in Sydney, I think I can safely say uh, we definitely are the first pino taker. And, uh, yeah, the idea came about – I. Um, I just constantly said to myself, you know, where can I go for a, a good sandwich that I don't have to make myself or a panino I don't have to make myself? And more often than not, I mean, look, being Italian, there's amazing delis around um, the inner west. That's where I, I grew up. I grew up in, in Putney. Um, my grandmother lived in Five Docks, so a lot of amazing delis. And you'd always go to the deli and you get, you know, your 100 grams of prosciutto, 100 grams of salami, and you go home and you make it all together and you make a beautiful sandwich. But, you know, that takes time. Um, and if you went to the deli and asked them to make the sandwich for you, they would look at you like you had two heads because they just didn't want to take the time to actually put all the ingredients in, put the olives, put whatever you wanted. So, yeah, the idea really came about because I wanted to make a sandwich quick and easy but do it for someone else and not necessarily then have to go to the deli and do it. So, yeah, that's how the idea sort of came about. Well, you opened in November 2020 during – um, some tough times for hospitality. What was it like opening in that period of time? Um, a lot of resistance from my family and friends. They thought I was pretty crazy, <laughs> but um, it came out of necessity, to be honest. Uh, my background was always been in the music industry. Uh, I spent 10 years in Ibiza uh, living and working over there with uh, in electronic music business. Uh, and when I came back three and a half years ago, uh, I got into it here, but then obviously the pandemic hit and um, COVID was around and I was looking around and I was thinking to myself, you know, what what can I do and what what's my future hold? Because the music industry, you know, had another year or two before it even came back and, you know, if we look at it now, it's still not not where it should be. So it was out of necessity that I, I started Don Pino and, you know, food's always been my, my passion along with music and I wanted to get into something – 
and also be safe at the same time because so much volatility was happening. And my idea was Don Pino because, you know, everyone was shifting towards the takeaway model, whether it be a restaurant or a cafe, all we're doing, what everyone was doing was takeaway. So, yeah, I started the idea and um, we're actually, we're operating out of, a, out of a food truck at the moment, but we're permanently based where we are. And the whole concept of it was let's start small out of the food truck, see if there's an appetite for just panini, just sandwiches. And, um, yeah, we're still going today. So it's been difficult. Um, it's had its challenges, uh, not only the pandemic challenges, but, you know, your challenges as a, as a new business. You have that beautiful moment where you're, you're hot and everyone wants to come and see you. And that was sustained for, for, for quite a while. And then, boom, we had another lockdown. <laughs> like, when was it the lockdown? Was it June, July? So, um, last year. Which was, which was interesting because, you know, being a suburban location, we, we got busier and it was, it was amazing because the honeymoon period kept going. So, we, we had a, a great couple months during lockdown because the five-month radius, sorry, five-kilometer uh, radius really helped us. And we were absolutely loving it. Uh, and it was a great way to build the business and get the locals – um, really, what's the word I'm going for? Like really loving what we're doing and trying it out more than that, just that once when you do have that new business. So you sort of have people that come once and they'll, they'll come again another six months later. So we really built a great base and um, yeah, it was, it was a really beautiful time. And then I'd say that the challenges from that was that once everything did open up again, a lot of the takeaway businesses and cafes that were doing well in the suburbs weren't as busy because all the restaurants had opened in the city and, you know, people started to see their friends and nightlife came back. So, yeah, there's been the ups and downs of starting the business in the pandemic, having, you know, the positives of, of the lockdown and then the negatives of once everything did open up again, we had to really adjust to how we have, you know, patterns of people and to the point now we're trying to work at, you know, work out where is everyone and, and what is the normal flow of people. So it's, I think it's just settling back out now where we have uh, a bit of consistency of knowing where people are. What surprised you about running a hospitality venue? What surprised me? Um, I, not a lot in terms of running it because, you know, my, my history in, in hospice, I've always sort of been around it. I started working a very young age uh, at my uncle's pizzeria when I was 11. I worked in cafes all my teenage years and even managed one um, when I was 17. So I didn't have a lot of um, – so I've had a, a bit of experience run, run, running these cafes before and, and hospitality business. So it's, I think the shocking part now is it's um, – and the surprising part is finding people's patterns and seeing that, you know, things have sort of changed post-COVID. I don't feel like everyone has that expenditure anymore just to go out and, and buy something every day. So it's, I think, dealing with, with, with that in the sense that, you know, the hospitality landscape has changed significantly. I want to explore what you're doing with Dom Panino in a sec, but uh, take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play in your family? Like every Italian family, it's, you know, the central focus of everything we do, I think, you know, if you're an Italian kid, you wake up and you, you want to know what you're having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
Mum's an amazing cook. Uh, Nonna is incredible. So yeah, food's always been you know a part of our family. My uh, my nonno on my mum's side was a professional fisherman in Sydney. So we had a big trawler boat, and um, we grew up around seafood all, all, all our life. So you know he he come back at like seven in the morning with a huge haul of of fresh fish. And you'd have my nonna in the kitchen, she'd be you know, cleaning up the prawns and you know, you'd have a beautiful lunch on a Sunday with amazing seafood fresh from you know f- from his boat, which was always a beautiful experience. So, yeah, we've always been, you know, you know with food, it's, it's just a central focus of the, everyone coming together and, in, and enjoying um, a beautiful meal. Uh, being Sicilian background, a lot of the food we 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 eat was uh, we eat is, is uh, Sicilian. Um, sorry, so a lot of the food we eat is uh, seafood and fresh and you know of the season. That's what I also bring back to my childhood is like we do we never eat the same thing all year round. It always varies from season to season from uh, from from what's available. You had a career that took you all over the globe doing all sorts of things in, in music. Do you, do you have any stories of those trips overseas and um, the influence that food of different cultures had on you? I was in event management and I managed a couple of DJs. So I was probably the only person that made a career coming out of it not being a DJ. <laughs> but my um, my experience with that was uh, I moved to Ibiza when I was 19 and I got lucky to uh, be a tour manager for a big Aussie DJ called Sarah Main. And she was the resident DJ for Pasha at the time. And that was when the explosion of the like EDM scene per se was happening. So she used to um, warm up for the Swedish House Mafia, David Guetta, Eric Marullo, like huge electronic acts. So I was, you know, this 20-year-old kid over there in the DJ booth with all these superstars and just saw the explosion of, of the whole scene. And from that, we did quite a bit of touring on a, on a weekly basis. So, you know, we'd be all over Europe in different countries. And I think that's how the love of food just exploded even more for me that, you know, you'd be in Spain one day, Italy the next, uh, you'd be in the UK, Germany, wherever, wherever it was, you'd be able to try that, that the, the local cuisine because the touring, it's amazing, but you literally go from airport to the hotel, to the restaurant, to the club, and then you're back out of there. So the one thing you'd savor was always having a, a beautiful meal and trying the, the, the delicacies. Um, but yeah, living in the Beta was just incredible. It's a very cosmopolitan island, and I'd say it's like the melting pot part of all the cultures around Europe. And you'd have the best restaurants from every country represented in Ibiza. So you know, any night of the week, you could go and have an amazing meal from any cuisine. And I think that was just pivotal to also me wanting to own my own food business is that, you know, you could see the passion from all around Europe, all in one location at Beetha. And I just thought to myself, you know, one day I'd always love to have my own, my own slice where I can, you know, show the food that I love. And um, I think, you know, I've taken a bit of, a bit of everything from, from different locations and, you know, in some of my sandwiches that we do, we, you know, we have that, that influence and, um, you know, like our, our latest creation is called the chorizo smash and, you know, that's heavily Spanish influenced um, with, with that creation. So, yeah. Are there any um, skills or lessons learned from your time in the music industry that you've transferred into what you're doing now? 
Um, great question. Actually, you know, I, I made a career and of making people dance through putting on events um, and looking after these DJs and then performing and, you know, seeing people happy uh, through dance is a lot of the inspiration that now what I do is uh, instead of making people happy through dancing, I'm making them happy through my food. And when you, when you run an events or you're, you're marketing a DJ, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways that, you can bring that into the food business. And that's sort of what I've done as well. Uh, if you see a lot of our, our marketing, you know, all our, all our panini, they've actually got their own logo, much like a DJ. So it's just giving them a bit of um, their own variety, their own space to, to sing on a, on a flyer or sorry, for, on a menu or online or on social. So yeah, all our, all our, all our panini have their own logos we heavily focus on um, promo clips. So I, every special we do, there's a new video and clever editing or quick cutting and I put music over the background. I just feel like a lot of my time in the music business has just transferred into how I market Don Pino. And I think, you know, we, we do stand out a little bit from the crowd and, you know, more often than not, when someone comes to the counter, and they're not even looking at the menu. They've got their phone out. They're like, and they just show me the video of me making the sandwich. <laughs> like, you sort of have that little bit of a celebrity status that like, oh, we saw you make this and we had to eat it. So, yeah, I guess there's a correlation between, you know, marketing a DJ and marketing a sandwich or, 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 a, or a nightclub and a, and a restaurant. You, essentially, you want to put, you know, bums on seats or you want to put, uh, you know, ticket sales. So, yeah, there's been a lot of cross-pollination with the industries that I've sort of tried to take into into the food in the food industry. You've got um, many different um, sandwiches and paninis. Um, what, what's some that you can tell us about that are, um, that do really well? Well, um, our signature one is called Nonna's Nostalgia, and this is purely uh, a sandwich panino that it. It was an idea to bring my childhood to to the menu. So, you know, being Italian, you grow up and on Sundays, it's always a family family lunch or a family dinner. And you go to your nonna's house and she'd be cooking this amazing sorgo or a bolognese and, you know, you could smell it from the driveway. And as a kid, the, the first thing you want to do is run inside and Nonna's there, she's cooking, she's stirring the sauce and you get a piece of fresh bread and you just dip it straight in and you eat it. And that's heaven and that's like my childhood to a tea. So I had to, you know, make homage to, to that. So our Nonna's Nostalgia is our slow-cooked pork and veal bolognese. Uh, we cook it over five hours so it becomes really, really thick. And then what we do is when we actually make the sandwich, we put it back into the pan and we reduce it down for another five to 10 minutes. So it gets even thicker. That goes on our bread with um, some smoked fiori latte through it. So you've got that smokiness and then a bit of parmigiano, a rocket, and then a bit of olive oil. And that is just, yeah, it's, um, it's delicious. And it's like everyone's eyes at a meatball sub. I said, well, look, it's technically could be a meatball sub, but it, it really, it's literally bolognese on the roll, which sounds simple, but the complexity is that it's been cooked for so long, then reduced again, and then the smokiness of the filiolatte that goes through it 
yeah, it's just, um, it's cracker. <laughs> you mentioned some of the menu as well as influenced by your travels. Um, what's an example that you can give of that? Yeah, I think um, like there's, there's a couple of specials that we've done over time as well. Like I spent a quite, quite a bit of time traveling to LA and New York. And by doing that, I mean, I got, I got into the whole love of like the New York style sandwiches, um, trying quite a few of those out. And uh, being a massive Sopranos buff, uh, we have a little bit of influence on our menu with sort of some, some homages to the, like the, uh, for example, we did the one called the Tony Soprano, which is um, a prawn cotoletta that we do with a bit of a slaw and uh, Cupi Mayo. So that was like a homage to Tony Soprano. And then, yeah, like the, the other one we do is called the Joey Vodka, which is just like, a you know, the, your typical vodka sauce that everyone does in New Jersey. They love that over there with um, a spicy soprasada and mozzarella. And then done with the chicken, the chicken stitzel coated in, in, in all the vodka sauce. Uh, so, yeah, we, we sort of have a bit of a, American influence, Aussie influence, and then, yes, it's, it's a bit of a mix. Tell us about the bread and how important that is and um, and what you look for in making a great panino. Definitely. Uh, well, it took me, I'd say, three months before I actually wanted to open up Dom Pignon to actually find the right bread because I was never going to open up unless I had what I, I wanted. Uh, so I tried to, you know, 20 different bakeries and – uh, from sourdough to pan de casa to your your damper rolls to sliced and you know the bread is so important like it is the vehicle of of the sandwich and uh, yeah I finally found the right baker and it was more so just sitting down with him and I actually spent two nights just going through all the all the bread they make and actually made the bread with them and then I realized that what it was was a combo of, of a couple of different ways they, they do a certain role, but then how we cook it and how long we cook it for is essentially what we've come, come up with. So yeah, the bread we, we have is it's, it's, it, it is a part of the cast of it, the way we cook it and the way we do it and the shape it is what makes it special. So it's, it's soft in the inside, but it's got enough crunch that when you bite into it, it doesn't rip the roof of your mouth off, which I think is so important for a sandwich. I'm sure, you know, you've had a couple that, you get stuck in and by the end of it, your jaw's sore and you've, you know, you're bleeding on the inside. So none of that at Don Panino. Um, and we, we never toast the bread. All our bread is fresh every day. I'm just adamant about not, not toasting next day's bread. It just doesn't work. I mean, I think it's just cutting corners, especially if someone's paying decent money for a sandwich, they want something fresh and, uh, and delicious. So yeah, we, we often get comments about how nice the bread is, which is which is great because you know half the job's done if the bread's good. With a with a family so passionate about food, what's the response from the family about what you're doing? Yeah, everyone's super proud. Um, my nonna is like the biggest influence with it, and a lot of the the recipes for our menu, like our chicken stitzel, um, it's her it's her recipe. The way she cooks it, we do it the same. She, she often comes past and she's like, oh, so how are you doing this and how are you making that? I'm like, well, this is how you told me. This is how I'm doing it now because you know, some things in a restaurant, you have to do it a bit quicker and you have to do it on bulk. And she just looks at me like, that's not how you do it. What are you talking about? So, it's funny. She still keeps us in check and 
Um, but yeah, everyone's super proud and uh, excited for the future and, and, and what holds for it. Uh, yeah. Like, like, you know, through the pandemic, we've had ups and downs and everyone's been there to support. So, you know, being a family business and I've got mum there on the weekends with me, which is great. And we do, um, yeah, she, she comes down on a Saturday and Sunday and we have our, they're called Sfinchi, which is a Sicilian donut. Um, it's a flour, water, yeast and um, mashed potato and we lightly fry them and then they get dusted in cinnamon and sugar. And then we also do them with Nutella toppings, Biscoff, and that's our that's our weekend treat. And yeah, everyone goes crazy for those too. I think I'm pretty sure we're the first ones in in Sydney to be doing Sfinchi, um, which is pretty special. And yeah, and very nostalgic as well. Um, we have a lot of old Italians coming in, and they they eat it and they they start to cry because their their wife used to make it and she's not around anymore, or they've tasted it and, you know, it reminds them of the, of the old country, which is a beautiful, you know, they're beautiful moments to have as well. Mm. Recreating dishes, that, you know, people might not have all the time. You've also uh, created a range of condiments as well. Uh, tell us a bit about that. And where did the recipes come from? Yeah. So, um, mostly from, from Nonna and, uh, passed down to mom. So we, we do a range. We've got, um, a pickled fennel, which is my favorite, um, it just got that beautiful crunch to it and, you know, the vinegar that comes through and we use great extra virgin olive oil. We do um, our own uh, melanzane, so, um, so melanzane, carrots uh, and the mushrooms. Um, it's all the similar style of how we do it, but, you know, it's a labor of love. You know, it's all about getting great fresh produce from the markets and everything's hand cut because I find when you hand cut your – your pickled vegetables that are brews, so you get a beautiful color out of them. And then it's all about, you know, aging them and, and making sure they come out nice and crunchy and, and, and crisp when, when you do them. And I think by doing your own pickled vegetables and putting them in the, in, in the panini, it just makes them taste that much better. They have that, you know, that, that, that difference where it doesn't taste bought. It does taste homemade. And that's, you know, it's beautiful. Like, the traditions of pickling and how Italians do it, you know, you, you literally don't have any wastage um, in your business. Like whatever's going going old, you can just, you know, throw some oil and vinegar and, and pickle it properly. Um, so with the with that range, we're um, bit bit stuck for for like the actual space we have to to actually sell them at the, at the uh, truck at the moment. But the idea is in future to to take that to market and and definitely try to get them in households. You've built a great base and foundation for the business now. What's your plans for the next year? So, yeah, we're just um, consulting what we're doing now and um, in the current location. But, yeah, our plans are definitely to, to have more. Probably later on in the year, we're looking at October, November to open up our, our next store. Um, just currently looking for that location, but um, getting married in August. So we're just going to have to uh, – get through the, that first and then enjoy, enjoy, enjoy that celebration. And because if I, I, I wanted to open up already, but I, I don't think I would have got married if otherwise uh, the missus would have been too happy if we opened up a store before we got married. You've made this amazing transition through necessity uh, into the food game. What, what do you love about what you do? I love people's reactions to eating, to eating our food. You know, it just makes your heart sing. There's nothing better than someone actually enjoying it and, and saying so. And, you know, food is life. And I think, you know, in the last two years, we've all gone through 
a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, but, you know, it all comes back to sharing that moment. You know, I love watching people bite into it and their eyes rolling to the back of their head. That's that's what gives me a buzz. You know, it's getting up in the morning and serving that first coffee to your, to your regular. And, you know, it starts their day. You have that conversation, you know, being the barista as well. You, you're, you know, you're a bit of a... Um, a counselor to them you, you hear people's problems and you see you see people grow and you know we've been there for a year and a half now you see little kids growing up and i think you know it all comes down to community it's beautiful having a community with your your location and and your venue and your restaurant those are beautiful moments in hospitality and we haven't had a lot of those because of the lockdowns and you know social distancing and but all those things are, are coming back now and that's a real beautiful Beautiful thing to have, and I hope you know that our industry does bounce back better than what it was, and I'm, I'm sure it will. It just take a bit of time to do that. So yeah, I just love, I love the community. I love it. So it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to have that. Well, Dom, congratulations on what you've built, and good luck with the wedding in August, and with what you've got ahead of that. Uh, loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Please keep in touch, and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And uh, I love your show and keep doing what you're doing. You know, without people like yourself, uh, it all falls down. So it's great that you give everyone a voice and um, love your work. Thank you so much. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.